Thanks to everyone for coming out this uh, Sunday afternoon, 5 o'clock, Spanish for Utah. Thanks to those who download these talks as podcasts from iTunes. We invite your, we invite your comments, correspondence, and feedback by emails at utahkrishnas at gmail.com. We also have a membership class online at our website, utahkrishnas.org. I'd like to thank those that have become members. We couldn't do what we do without your help and support. Everything is inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder, Acharya, of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Today we'd like to talk to you about your being a person of influence. Now, I'm guessing that most of us wake up in the morning and, as a rule, we don't feel particularly influential or important. In fact, many days you might feel just the opposite overlooked, under-talented, nobody cares about you, impotent to change things, powerless, ineffectual. Maybe you've had some bad breaks in the past and rather than looking forward to what the day has to offer, you may be nervous and apprehensive about what curveballs fate is going to throw you in the next 18 hours. But here's what really matters. It's not where your feelings are, but it's where your faith is. Do you see yourself according to your feelings, your emotions, what other people say or don't say about you? Do you gauge your worth based on your bank balance, your accomplishments, how many times your pictures appeared in the newspaper, how many bowling trophies you have, your stock portfolio? Or is your self-esteem and confidence fashioned by what God or Krishna, your creator, says about you? In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says of us, all living beings, any entity that's animated, they're all my parts and parcels. Now God is Satchitananda, he's full of knowledge, he's full of bliss, he's full of eternity. He's obviously important. <laughs> he created millions of universes. He caused the seasons to change, the sun to rise and sun to set. He's all wealthy, all famous, all beautiful, all knowledgeable, all powerful. And he's basically saying that we're parts of him. In other words, we, our real selves, don't, are not, we're not generated from matter, dull, temporary, lifeless matter. That's just our body. That's just our covering, like a shirt or a coat. But we actually are eternal spirit souls generated from the Supreme Spirit, God. He's important. He's all important. And because we come from Him, you're also important. Maybe a gold trinket is not as important as the gold mine. It's not as valuable as the gold mine from a quantitative point of view. But from a qualitative point of view, it's equal. We might not have the same degree of power or knowledge or wealth as God in a quantitative sense. But being parts of Him, being emanations from Him, we're one in Him with quality. Every quality that He has, we also have. And one of His qualities is that He's important. So you're also important. The Father will place great, great value and significance on each and every one of His children. He loves them all equally, and He loves them all unlimitedly. Similarly, our Father, our Creator, with a forethought, 
and intention created each and every one of us and made an elaborate arrangement for our maintenance. In the Ishu Upanishad, it says, Eko Bahonam Yogiridati Kaman. That one supreme eternal has made arrangements to support and maintain us, the many plural eternals. Air, water, earth, sustenance, vegetables, grain, milk products, all that we need in order to support ourselves, they are prearranged by the Supreme Lord. Thus, we're not created by accident and we're not meant to live dragging around all down and negative and defeated and depressed. Our lives have a purpose. A healthy self-image is one of the greatest assets that you can have in life. It will not only cause you to rise higher, but it will inspire those who are around you. Hold on to this truth. You are important and what you do matters. Pay attention to your internal dialogue and make sure it's working for you rather than working against you. Who of us hasn't taken a little tiny pebble and just flicked it into a reservoir of water and seen the effect, what's called the ripple effect, just expanding out and out and out and out from where that pebble dropped into the water and going to the shore. In the same way, your confidence or lack of it, your attitude, how you carry yourself, how you interact with other people is influencing others in ways that you cannot even begin to understand. Influence is defined as the ability to produce an effect without much effort. So who's the most influential? God. He spoke the worlds into existence. Beginning with the Omkar. Om. That's the seed, the transcendental seed from which the entire universes emanate. Everything begins with sound. Sound is the most subtle of all material elements. And from sound you go then to the next gross element, which is air, and then the next gross element, which is fire, and then the next gross element, which is water, and the next gross element, which is earth, and voila, you have yourself a universe. And it was all created without any apparent effort or exertion on God's part. He just spoke the worlds into existence. This is called parasya shaktir vividaiva suryate. This word for influence in Sanskrit is shakti. It's power that without a great deal of sweat, perspiration, gnashing of the teeth, foaming at the mouth, wonderful things can be generated. Now, God is fully conscious of his influence and his importance at each and every moment. He has to be. Although the definition of God is that he's complete and self-sufficient, he doesn't have to work to earn things, he doesn't have to put a roof over his head, He's basically the proprietor and creator of everything. Still, God recognizes that it's important for him to act. In the Bhagavad Gita, he says that whatever example a man sets by exemplary acts, all the world pursues. Everybody is looking to God. And if God does nothing, if God just zones out on his lazy boy up there in the sky, then who's going to do anything? God has to be aware of his own importance and he has to act in order to set an example. He's not forced to act. He doesn't have to maintain himself. 
But he acts in order to set the standard, to set the bar for everyone else. And should he not act, should God have a moment of low self-esteem? God have a moment of cynicism? Or God have a moment of indifference? Or God have a moral lapse or moral fall down? Then all the worlds would be put to ruination. Who wouldn't say, well, if God can do it, I can do it. Who wouldn't say that? He is always conscious of his importance, not in a swell-headed, arrogant way, but in a positive way, in order that he always set a positive example and that he knows that whatever he does has the ripple effect. It's not, it's not about us. It's about recognizing what God has put within us and using it to benefit other people. To recognize that you're important doesn't mean that you exploit or take advantage of other people. Doesn't mean, well, I have a divine destiny and so I'm going to take advantage of other people or my divine destiny is more important than your divine destiny so therefore I'm going to trample all over you. No. Respecting yourself as a child of the Most High God means that you'll respect others for the same reason. You're acting as a champion you're acting as a winner because you want everyone else with whom you share the planet to have the same high-mindedness. It's interesting. We appreciate integrity. We appreciate high-mindedness. We appreciate character in other people. We sell colors. You know, the colors, we do the colors. We sell them all over the country. And uh, every once in a while, we'll have sold a color bunch of colors and it goes to the bookkeeping department it comes in their monthly statement and some bookkeeper in uh, maybe even a religious organization maybe we've sold it to an evangelical Christian summer camp and it comes through the books and there's a bookkeeper in there that says what the Krishna temple $563 what's this all about and they'll just cancel the credit card charges and then we get a notice in the bank and we always contact the original person and they say, I'm so sorry, we'll, we'll make it right. But when these instances happen, maybe just three or four times a year, it makes me realize how everything's really based on trust and integrity, isn't it? We're trusting them to send out, because they give us a number over the phone, we're trusting them to send out products that we've brought at great trouble and expense from halfway around the world and we're sending it to them and we're never going to get it back once we send it out and we're trusting them and they're giving us their credit card number in advance because we only do cash purchases trusting us to do what we promise to do but the whole thing is based on integrity anybody can just cancel a credit card you know that right anybody can dispute a PayPal payment and if you're the supplier it's really a headache to try to get that reestablished and write it. So we appreciate character. In fact, things couldn't run without character. And we like it when our employees have character. If you're an employee, we like it when our boss has character. The wife likes to be married to a husband of character and vice versa. And you like to see character germinating in your kids. But it's interesting that most of us don't think the construction of character is that important for ourselves. If there was a school down the street for building character, we'd love our boss to go there. If we're the boss, we'd love our employees to go there. 
love my wife to go there, love my husband to go there, even pay the tuition happily, but I don't think it's that important that I go there. And in this current age, how often are we conformed by society? Society values not much character nowadays. I mean, I say we appreciate it, but for ourselves, we don't value it across the board as a personal goal. Mostly, what we're pressured to value is achievement or accomplishment. The goal is to graduate. That's what's important. That trumps character. So, if I have to cheat on this test, then the important thing is that I graduated and not how I do it. And anyway, everybody else is cheating too. Everybody else is allowing themselves to be conformed by the goal and don't care about the means. The important thing is to be promoted. I need to get a promotion every two or three or five years at work. And if I have to wander into an ethical gray area in order to get the promotion, well, it's all about promotion. It's not about building character. But the problem is, when you allow yourself to compete and compare yourself to everybody else, when you allow society to conform you in terms of the current values, you lose your own inner dignity, you lose your own inner personality. On the other hand, if you stand fast, go against the stream, make some hard decisions, put character above achievements, you will make your mark. People will notice you. In the desert, even a small tree is visible from several miles away. You, if you're true to the person that God made you to be and to the path that he put you on, you will be the flavor, you will be the seasoning, you will be the spice, you will be the salt, you will be the preservative. God has created you with zest and flavor and the world around you needs you to be you. People need what you have. I heard about the mayor of a town, it was her annual parade. Spanish Fork just had theirs. Fiesta Days, July 24th. So the mayor's driving down Main Street in an expensive convertible with the top down. He's standing up waving to everybody. His wife is sitting beside him in the back seat and she's waving her. And they drive past a service station, gas station. And the owner of this gas station used to be a suitor of his wife when they were back in junior high school. Very smugly and condescendingly, he leans over to his wife and he says, if you'd have married him, you'd be running a gas station now. And without missing a beat, she comes right back at him and says, if I'd married him, he'd be the mayor. <laughs> I'm asking you today, do you recognize the ability that you have to influence? We all have different roles, every endeavor, is covered by some fault, just like fire is covered by smoke. But the Bhagavad Gita repeatedly says we should not give up our duties because they're troublesome. I don't know if you're familiar about the Bhagavad Gita, but Arjuna is faced with the decision to fight against wrong, against evil, against darkness, but there's a little twist. Those who oppose him are his teachers, his relatives, and his friends. And Arjuna has fought many, many battles. He's a great champion of righteousness, but when faced with this particular scenario, he asked Krishna, is the cost worth it? 
Should we really enjoy a victory and worldly fruits at the cost of the lives who are our teachers and our relatives? Sure, they're bad, they did a lot of wrong things, but the cost, Krishna, warriors are going to die, women are going to become widows, children become orphans. What about the cost? And Krishna makes a very, very interesting point. He says, Arjuna, when you do your duty, it's not always easy, it's not always convenient, and it's not always cheap. If you go ahead and fight against unrighteousness, there will be a cost, there will be tears, there will be misery. There's definitely a downside. But the cost of you not fighting, the cost of you not pursuing your destiny, the cost of you not opposing unrighteousness will be far, far greater. If Arjuna, the number one champion Arjuna is the main one that stands between darkness and light. Krishna says, whatever the cost of you fighting, the cost of you not fighting will be much, much greater. If Arjuna doesn't fight for the right, then who will? And not only is Arjuna himself a great individual champion, but he's the personal friend of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who has descended to drive his chariot. So Krishna says, what will they say about you? What will they say about me if you leave the battlefield? Krishna's message in the Bhagavad Gita is that our lives are not just about ourselves, but using what Krishna has given us to impact others. Now there might be one or two or more of you in the audience now thinking, well, I didn't really have a good role model growing up. I didn't really have anyone. If you did, you're extremely lucky. A large number of kids are raised by single parents. And because of that lack of a role model for yourself, maybe you've been less than ideal in your own life. You might have a divorce behind you. You might have an estranged child, an addiction that you're still trying to get rid of. There might be people who have already written you off, sidelined you, categorized you as a loser because of the mistakes that they know that you've made up to this point. But let me tell you today, that none of that changes your basic importance. You're still created as a person of importance. We had a festival of colors. I was in New York on Saturday as the MC of a festival of colors in Staten Island. And uh, the people who put it on, whom I partner with, are Mormons. Mostly we try to stay true to the Indian theme, but they like to get in one of their own. And so Alex Boyer, have you heard of Alex Boyer? Yeah, they invited him, some Mormon lives right here in Utah. So he came on stage, and before he sang one of his songs, he took out a $5 bill, crumpled it up, spit on it, put it through the dirt, put water on it, balled it up, threw it out to the crowd. And then he said, I want to ask you a question. Did anything that I did to that $5 bill change its influence? It's just a piece of paper. There's all kinds of pieces of paper. But it so happens that that piece of paper is authorized, is backed, by the government of the United States of America and it has a certain power to it that other pieces of paper don't. As soon as it was printed at Fort Knox, it had $5 worth of buying power. Now he said, did anything that I do to that change its basic value, its basic influence? And the answer is no. No bad decisions, no bad choices that you've made in the past change the fact that you are a person of 
influence. So if you'll rise up today and start seeing yourself as Krishna or God's special messenger created by him and for him, then nothing or no one can keep you from your special destiny. You're going to come into your season. As Krishna was for Arjuna, let me today be a voice of destiny in your life. You have treasures inside you that other people need. You have more in you than you can realize and you can accomplish more than you think possible. Even when life is pushing you down, don't allow your treasures to get buried under your circumstances. As long as you don't lose sight of your value, you can rise above disappointments, you can rise above unfair situations, and you can arise above critical negative words. Maybe right now you're in a situation that you feel is impossible. It might be financial, it might be in your marriage, uh, you might have a health challenge, and you just, those negative voices are starting to play over and over. I'm never going to get out of this. It's always going to be this way. My hands are tied. Here's the key. Your hands might be tied, but God's hands, or Krishna's hands, are never tied. In the Mahabharata, we have the story of Draupadi. Draupadi had, that's another story, for another time, but she had five husbands. And they were the most powerful warriors in the world. But they just lost everything in a crooked dice game arranged by the evil Duryodhana. And as soon as the Pandavas were bound, literally their hands were tied by their promise to Duryodhana, Duryodhana's brother, Dushasana, went into the chambers of the woman. He smashed the door. He grabbed Draupadi. He dragged her in. This is a woman that probably was, is never even out in public. Her chastity and sanctity is so much cherished by that culture. He drags her by the hair into the assembly where there's all kinds of lusty, jeering, insulting warriors. And he tries to strip her naked by taking her sari on. Her husbands are sitting there. They're the most powerful warriors, but their hands are tied. They can't do anything. Draupadi herself, maybe a hundred pound woman, and trying to take off her sari is a 300 pound muscular veteran warrior. Looks pretty bad, right? It's pretty dark. There's no way out. It's a no hope. It's the end of the tunnel. That's all she wrote. But Krishna, or God, is the most influential, and that means that he can achieve an effect without any apparent exertion. So as Dizdasan is pulling the cloth off of one side of Draupadi, unseen and in a subtle form, on the other side, Krishna, smiling, without any apparent effort or exertion, is doling out cloth. So as much as Dusasana is pulling, Krishna is doling it out. Playing the flute with one hand, doling out cloth with the other hand, just having a grand old time. And finally Dusasana just, oh, oh, I can't do this anymore. Collapses and exhausts. So Draupadi's hands were tied, her powerful husband's hands were tied, but Krishna's hands were not tied. When they came to the end of what they could do in the natural, then Krishna showed up and did what he could in the supernatural. 
When your child, those are your parents, when your child gets in trouble, gets scared, has a problem, goes running, and you scoop them up in your arms, you enjoy it, don't you? You enjoy that that child goes to you, that sees you as the rescuer, sees you as the savior, sees you as the go-to person. Akbar ruled India at one time. You may have heard his name. He was a Muslim, and Muslims don't like any personal representations of divinity. There's no pictures, there's no deities in Muslim mosques. And so Akbar was criticizing Hinduism one day, saying to one of his Hindu ministers, why do you worship God as a person? All the trouble, all the energy, the artists, singing, the offering of food, the dressing of clothes, the observing of special appearance days. Krishna's appearance day, by the way, is coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll celebrate here August 16th and in Salt Lake City campus on August 17th, the next day. He says, even if God is a person, even if he exists as a person, what? you don't have to worship him as a person. If you get in trouble, he controls everything. He controls the earth, the wind, the sky. He can get you out of trouble remotely through his energies. You don't have to worship him personally. It's a waste of time and energy. His answer came, Maybe a week, ten days later, Akbar was walking along the swiftly moving Yamuna River. He had some of his most powerful generals. He had his bodyguards, decathlons, Olympic athletes. And he also had his four-year-old son with him. And the four-year-old son lost his footing and he tumbled sideways into the currents of the Yamuna River. Now Akbar didn't say, you jump in, you jump in, you jump in. These were all superior athletes to him, younger men. But he, the emperor of the world, risked his life. He jumped in to save his son. What does that tell us? That that boy, not, not because of anything the boy was, but just because he was created by Akbar, he was considered important. His father considered him more important than his own life and his own kingdom, because without even any meditation or force, he immediately risked everything to save that four-year-old boy when he had so many others at hand that he could have turned to. Similarly, just as Krishna personally came and rescued Draupadi, just as Krishna personally drove the chariot of Arjuna, Krishna is also personally there for each and every one of you. If you call upon him, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. It's like a child crying for its mother, crying for its father. Well, someone says, true, I'm glad you said that. I'm going to make a note of that. Next time I get in trouble, I'm going to try it out. We're always in trouble. It's not just that sometimes we're in trouble and other times we're sitting pretty. We are always in trouble because we are eternal spirit souls, part and parcel of God. We're denizens of the spiritual world and we've fallen into this ocean of samsara, this ocean of birth, death, disease, and old age. And I don't care how good a swimmer you are, you're never going to, by your own efforts, swim the length and breadth of the ocean and get to the shore on your own. Unless you get grace unless you cry out all the time on one level or another, unless you live for the grace, for the mercy for God, unless you have that state of heart, you're just going to continue 
in this vicious cycle of birth, death, disease, and old age. You've flown, all of you, and you're familiar with the announcement that cabin pressure falls, there'll be an oxygen mask appear before you. Put it on first before you try to help anyone else out. Strengthen yourself, fill your lungs with oxygen, and having done that, you will be in an advantageous position to help other people throughout the entire cabin. So this is the plan. Feed yourself. See yourself as important. See yourself as a person of influence. Replenish yourself. Motivate yourself. Inspire yourself. Challenge yourself. Show up for yourself. And then you're going to show up for others. Our lives paint a picture. Everything we do leaves an effect, leaves a residue, makes ripples for others. At the turn of the century, a cloth merchant, a simple cloth merchant in Calcutta, who was maybe five foot two inches tall, weighed 85 pounds, by material estimation, was insignificant. His name was Gormohande. But he had a son who has become known as A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the founder of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, which has 500 branches all over the world. He was deemed insignificant in the eyes of society, but he produced one son who touched the lives of tens of millions of people. Gaur Mohande taught one, and then that one taught tens of millions. Gormohande nourished that one, and then that one nourished tens of millions. Gormohande loved that one, and that one taught tens of millions to love God, to love others, and to love themselves. We would not be here today, nor would there be people gathering in temples all over the world were it not for Gormohande. Rise up. Know that to God, you're important. To other people, you're important. To the animals, even, you're important. You have no idea how many living entities are looking to you for an example. No matter what your mind or your senses are telling you, no matter how you feel, know today that you are a person of influence. You are a person of importance. You are created to set standards to model good behavior, to radiate peace, joy, and shakti, power, in this life, and in the next life, go back home, back to Godhead.